Hi, I'm Lindsay Hislop and this is When I Grow Up, I Want To Be, the career podcast. For over 15 years, I've been working with professional athletes, Olympians and other individuals, supporting them in their own personal and professional development. And from my experience, one of the methods to help with this guidance that has a huge positive impact is simply learning from others. And so here on this podcast, I have conversations with women in a range of jobs to gain an insight into what they actually do, how they got to be where they are, what their career journey has been like, and to hear what advice they would give to others that are interested in that career. I'd hope you'd find these conversations interesting and enlightening, and they might be a good guide for you for when you're asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Today's episode is with Kirsty Day. Kirsty qualified as a solicitor 14 years ago and is now a principal associate solicitor at Shoesmiths. I got to know Kirsty uh, a number of years ago when I worked with her husband, who was a professional rugby player at the time, at the Premiership Rugby Club that he was at. And today I get to have a really honest conversation about Kirsty's route into law, how she decided to specialise in real estate and also how a huge change in her career, a relocation from Manchester to Northampton with her husband's job, was one that she didn't actually want to to do, but that that change gave her the opportunity to grow. Kirsty gives some great advice to those interested in law in general. She gives a really clear insight into her journey into law and the varied work that she does within real estate. And she also explains that you don't have to have a law undergraduate degree to be a solicitor. I hope you enjoy. Here goes. Kirsty, it's great to see you. Great to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. No, it's great. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think there's a lot of changes that have gone into becoming a qualified solicitor and getting into law. So I think that would just be a really interesting um, topic to talk about. But um, just a bit of background. So you're a principal associate solicitor um, at Shoesmith Solicitors. You qualified 14 years ago as a solicitor and you work in real estate. Um, So I'm interested in general how do you become a principal associate solicitor? <laughs> and also, what is it? Um, so I guess that's a really good starting point of um, just a bit of information about what your job is. Okay. So um, so if we start at the beginning, um, how do you become a principal associate? Well, obviously, you need to be a solicitor. So that is the first thing that you have to do. You have to walk, walk get into the soliciting world. So um, uh, at university, so before university, obviously, when you're doing your A-levels, people say, what do you want to be? And I didn't have a clue. Um, however, um, like to watch a bit of TV and thought I could be a lawyer. Um, and of course, then, you know, you, you look at what a lawyer is and that's actually a generic term um, and you could be um, a, a solicitor or you could be an advocate, you could be a barrister. Um, and um, so you have to choose kind of almost with immediacy or so I thought um, what I wanted to be um, within the law. 
So I was like, right, I want to be a solicitor. So um, uh, that means basically I, I didn't want to, to litigate, um, as in I didn't want to stand up um, in court, although some solicitors do, some, some solicitors have advocacy rights and some like areas of the law are, are lit litigious and you, you can do sort of court hearings, etc. But I actually wanted to work within the law um, for a big firm um, and, you know, work with some glamorous clients. Um, and um, yes, I wanted to be able to say I am a solicitor because actually in my head that was going to be a real achievement um, and I still think it is an achievement actually you know it's hard Absolutely. work it's, it's a lot of work um, to get there um, so um, like I say at 17 18 um, you make your choice for university and so I chose to do a law degree so I actually did a three-year law degree at Manchester uh, University um, and hence why I'm back in Manchester now because I loved it so much <laughs> that um, I've travelled and I've ended up back in the place where I started um, and then I ended up um, after my three-year uh degree uh, undergraduate degree I did what's called the legal practice course so the LPC at Chester College of Law so you have to do that for a year and um, as I was doing my degree I was fortunate enough, um, I was actually, you won't believe this, but social secretary and vice, <laughs> vice um, and then uh, vice chair of the, um, the the Law Society, as was at Manchester University. Um, <laughs> not like so, you, yeah, exactly. Not like me to be social <laughs> and get involved in organising things. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so I... Um, uh, uh, through that met sort of a lot of um, people, a lot of like law firms, etc. and started actually thinking about, well, what does my future career look like? And I was encouraged to go on, um, you know, to lots of what they call law fairs, which is basically where lots of um, firms turn up to a big event. Um, and it's like a school fair, but it's for graduates or for undergraduates. Um, and people can go and talk to, or that's how it was anyway, people can go and talk to um, uh, firms um, about what careers in their firm look like um, and they talk to them about ways into the firm and getting a job with them essentially and um, as people may or may not know listening to this in order to qualify as a solicitor um, you've got to do or um, you had to do a, um, a, a training contract, which is what I ended up doing. Um, and the way in which I secured that was I applied to do what's called a vacation scheme with a couple of big firms in Manchester. So um, uh, Adelshaw Goddard was the one, it's now Adelshaw's. Um, that was the firm that I um, ended up qualifying with and getting my training contract with. But I actually started off doing a vacation scheme there. So it was two weeks, essentially work experience. But in order to get that work experience, you almost have to go through like a job application process because there's so many people that want work experience at you know wow. the big law firms um, that you had to go through um like a big vetting process so submit a cv um i had to do like an assessment center to get there um and um but i was chosen for this vacation scheme um and did two weeks there and 
absolutely loved it like I just loved being in the office the people were amazing like Manchester's brilliant all the people in Manchester are brilliant anyway (laughs) Um, and um, and so I did this two weeks work work experience and actually on the back of my work experience there um, I actually went for an interview at the end of it and got offered um, a training contract on the back of my work experience which I'm not entirely sure if that happens now because it, it is so competitive um, right. now it's a very flooded market is is the law um, and um, for undergraduates you know sort of in their second year of university to get a training contract I don't think it's um, it's not it's not that it's not possible but I think these days a lot of people have a di- have different ways into the law they're not necessarily second year university students um uh, that that haven't got any sort of life experience mm-hmm. um so um yeah so I completed my degree went to Chester College of Law um and then um started a two-year training contract with Adult Shores um and I'll talk to you about what a training contract is um and um then you have to sort of you, you have to do certain exams while you're doing that so solicitors accounting etc you know there's a few assessments that you have to do um when you're doing your training contract um and then um once you've done all of that um then you qualify um into a seat that you've or or a practice group that you've you've had a seat in um and then yeah you're officially on the solicitor's role and yeah it's that's how it happens wow and so with the so with the training contract is it a training contract to go into a certain discipline of law or no. just in general in no. the most general sense to become uh, a solicitor, then you specialize Yes. So um, a training contract is meant to give you experience of um, various aspects of um, the, of practice. Um, obviously, some practices are bigger than others. So I was fortunate um, that I could do um, a corporate seat, a real estate seat. Um, oh, you have okay. to do a seat with an element of litigious work. So I did an employment law seat. Um, and I also did something that's called PFI and projects so it's similar to a corporate seat but it's 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 a different area Um, and um, so but other firms obviously um, that aren't as big you've still got to have certain elements covered off um, Mm -hmm. and generally everybody will do some kind of real estate seat some kind of corporate experience but then your other kind of specialist more specialist areas you know like you could do sort of intellectual property or you know there's there's lots of different areas within the law Um, and the idea of training contract is that you move around um, and I think they choose generally firms will allocate you your first seat so you don't get a choice with that um, and then um, I think then quite often for your third and fourth seats if they they, they tend to do it in six months cyclical cycles okay. um, you um, you you can opt to see if there's a placement you know there's a seat um to go for and they'll try and accommodate sort of any real aspirations you you may have um and then obviously um at the end of your training contract so at the end of your seats um you will then um apply for for a job so um for for me my um final seat was in um real estate or um it was 
deemed to be commercial property uh, back then. And um, I absolutely loved the team that I was in. Um, I really enjoyed the type of work that I was doing. Um, I was sort of specialising in like commercial leasehold work. I had a couple of really good clients that I loved. Um, And so it was just like a natural progression for me that I'd really enjoyed this seat um, above all the others that I'd done, really got on with the team and was also obviously quite helpfully in that seat as the job applications were being made does that make sense so um even though lots of people could apply um you know sort of i applied and was fortunate that you know i could remain with the team that i was being trained by um and it is really strange because you walk out of the office one day as a trainee (laughs) solicitor and then the next day you've been admitted to the you know you 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 then all, all all of a sudden qualified and you, you start a role and yeah exactly you've got like solicitor on the bottom oh, of wow. your email and it's really strange wow. um, but it's, it's an amazing feeling like qualification is is brilliant because a bit like trying to be a doctor or um you know sort of something that requires longer study than your normal three-year graduate scheme yeah. you know it, it feels like a massive achievement you know I did three years of a degree I then did a year's legal practice course and then I did two years of a training contract mm-hmm. so it's quite a journey to get there you know and it's something to be proud of because there's lots of hurdles and you could give up at anyone so absolutely and I think I think what I've just found interesting with that is that almost your end goal is quite unclear so when you started your law degree it was to and if anybody could see me I'm doing this in inverted commas were to become a solicitor yeah but without actually having it confirmed in your mind of a solicitor in what area what kind of clients what kind of work would I be doing yeah so that's quite mentally hard to be striving for something and yeah. going and going and going when you don't one you don't know if you're going to get a training contract correct Two, if you do you've still got to apply for jobs at the end of the training contract so you might yeah. be qualified but without a job yeah um so that's quite hard and had you had you got a plan b so when you went for your training contract what would you have done no I hadn't I hadn't hadn't even thought so and and this is what I'm saying like in terms of people considering getting into the law it it it's one of those careers whereby actually you have to do your homework before you get into it Um, and I would recommend to sort of anyone thinking about it work experience is the best thing I could ask for ask people to do um because you'll get a you'll get a sort of um an idea of what working life within the legal practice is like Mm -hmm. um and it may shape your journey does that make sense so Mm -hmm. it may shape where you end up um so you're right I I probably should have had a plan b (laughs) I was 19 had applied for this vacation scheme was very lucky to kind of get it and then you know sort of didn't really think it was very um organic the way one thing mm-hmm. led to another um in terms of I did the trade I did the VAC scheme got the training contract went to law school came back did the um 
the training contract and then just automatically assumed that I would get a job job. in the firm Um, there were people who did apply who did not get because obviously every firm opens its doors to um, external candidates as well as internal Mm -hmm. candidates so there is absolutely no guarantee of a job at the end of the two years albeit you've got to remember that these firms have you know invested thousands of pounds in growing you as a trainee um, yeah. and actually you know sort of the the clever people the clever <laughs> firms are the ones that get to then cherry pick you know people that other people have trained up Um it's yeah. it's it's very good that the once you've trained being a trainee getting a trainee to become a solicitor that's probably one of the hardest transitions that there is um so but yes I I probably should have had a plan b I just figured (laughs) it'd all be okay and you know back then at 23 or whatever I just thought it'd all be all right and fortunately it was but then but then you did get your qualification I did yes you know at the end of that that yes you may not have had a plan b um, but you had such a strong qualification behind you. So yes. that can set you up well for something else anyway. And what was it about? I know that you said that the team, you really liked the team. Yes. The company was really good. Mm-hmm. But what was it about real estate, about the real estate work that you did in that seat for the six months that made you think for the rest of my career, that's what I want to do? So um, as um during my degree I did um land law and weirdly really liked it um and then um I did uh, commercial property well I did property as part of my um LPC course so my further study course at Chester um and again did really well in both exams and um just kind of enjoyed the the, the bits that I'd studied. Um, one thing I would say is though that albeit you get a great legal grounding in terms of you study like the law um, when you do your degree and your LPC, um, it is so different in pra- putting that into practice. And I, the, what I would sort of probably liken it to is um, a doctor who, you know, I'm guessing the medical students, you know, they see pictures of what say a rash would look like on someone or they see pictures of what you know a broken bone could look like but then in reality it's not one size fits all and things are very different in practice so what I quite liked about property was that you could put the law into practice and on a very practical level that's not to say that it's not governed by that like property law isn't it's not just practical but I did love the fact that you've got something tangible do you know what I mean in terms yeah. of you could see um you you completed a document and that meant that people could occupy that property and you know sort of run a business from it and I loved the aspect of thinking you know sort of when you were drafting and when you were analyzing documents you know what actually happens in practice here so you had Mm -hmm. to like visualize you know sort of um 
what the you'd, you'd look at the plan and then you'd look at like google maps and you'd see what the what the place looked like in reality because actually a drawing of a um a, of a building looks entirely different to you know when you actually see it in person um and so i loved kind of that real tangible aspect of of the of the landlord um and like i say couple that with the fact that i had an amazing team who were so much fun but so intelligent you know like they, they blew me away like the partner that I used to sit with and um, it was a guy called Peter Kershaw um, and he was just phenomenally intelligent um, and I also loved his dress sense he had the best dress sense in the world <laughs> like if he wasn't in Prada socks you knew it was a bad day <laughs> brilliant and I think I've got a different um, a different kind of assumption of what a real estate lawyer, solicitor, property lawyer would do. So when you were just talking then about you've got um, the the plan, like the building plan, then you look at Google Maps. So it's your job, part of your job, to kind of marry them two together and ask, contradict, ask inquiries as to how that how that proposal would work in practice. Right. So. So, 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 um, no, real estate. Well, no, no, no. Some people's job is that. So um, I have actually um, moved over into a, a bit of a different area. So real estate is huge. Um, at, at Shoesmiths, so I'm now at Shoesmiths, um, I moved to Shoesmiths, and um, we offer what's called like a cradle to grave type service oh, in wow. terms of um, we've got people that can um, buy land in, Mm -hmm. um and so that literally means you know a big piece of land so you'll have land buyers for big developers or you'll have um you know sort of scouts for big um you know companies that go around the country and they go right we need a head office here or actually for house builders for example they'll be looking at you know where the next best big plot of land is for sale you know and it's super competitive and the you know they have to go and inspect the sites and they go right okay I want to buy that big plot of land. So for a house builder, that big plot of land there. And then there's obviously all the commercial negotiations that go with that. And we can represent that. Um, we have to, as lawyers at that that stage, investigate, you know, what what actually is this plot of land? What restrictions are over it? Because obviously okay. you'll be aware that um, uh, land um, it. It is led registered at land registry and um, these days but sometimes land can remain unregistered until it's sold on so um we have to investigate who owns the land um mm -hmm. who um uh you know sort of what their title we call title to the land what the title to the land looks like so are there certain restrictions you know so for example if someone wants to build 40 houses on this big plot of land well you've got to hope that there's no restrictions in the historical title deed okay. saying you can't have house houses on there um yeah. you know or you can only use as the purpose of an ice cream shop or something like that you know that we, we have to look we have to unpick the historical aspect of the land and check that actually it's fit for purpose and if it's not fit for purpose we have to try and work with the um developer or the um you know the buyer um to try and find solutions so um or if someone wants to take a lease of a building we need to kind of look at the lease we need to look at the um surrounding 
surrounding area. We need to advise them on all practical aspects. You know, can they run their business? You know, things like internal fit out, you know, like are they permitted to make um, alterations that they need to do? What are the wow. services looking like? Like it's it's huge. So there's like a massive, that is a massive area in itself. They're called like our acquisition team essentially okay. um, and um, we have elements of them who do um, uh, like commercial property work and we also have people who do what we call residential um, development work um, and they tend to act for the bigger house builders um, and land buyers essentially um, and then um, you also of course have um, within real estate um, uh, the conveyancing aspect which I'm sure is what you're probably familiar with most people yeah. if I say I'm in real estate so I'm like property and they're like oh great do you know I'm selling my house can <laughs> I, I ask just you a question say. <laughs> um, so um, and there is that, that aspect of it and actually what what I do now, so I sit um, in kind of residential development, but in the disposal side of things. So once once people have bought, um, so I'll talk about house builders. So once house builders have sort of bought big pieces of land, um, and then they decide to develop it. Um, obviously, we've got planning teams. So in 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 real estate, you know, we, we have a planning um, aspect. You know, people advise on how to to obtain planning and all the different rules and regulations. Um, and then we need to what, do what's called site setting up. So, um, uh, for example, um, you've got to think how like your services are run. You know, how do your roadways look? Do you need um, highways agreements? Do you need water agreements? Um, then once, um, for example, if we're doing like big tower blocks, because I, I act um, for some developers who um, have built the big Manchester skylines. Wow. Um, and it's amazing, actually, because you drive into Manchester and there's like five buildings in a row where my um, my team have all done the legal song. Wow. And it's just it's like, yay, that's oh. us. That's, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and it is it's quite, you know, it's quite exciting from that point of view. Yeah. You can actually see what you've done in practice um but what i i do as part of my role within my team um we sort of um devise the um documents so we'll we'll look at how they want to split up say a big apartment block um and um, we have to produce the documents for conveyances to then sell on these apartments, for example, in an apartment right. block. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So um, everyone will have, I'm sure if anyone's ever bought like a new home, for example, like a big freehold or um, a, a new home, like a flat in a big building, you'll be given a, a standard form of documentation for that. And I, I help draft that side right. of things now okay um so um and then of course we then have so i supervise in my current role um i supervise a team of um conveyances and assistants who then sell on the properties for our big house builders right okay okay so um and, and that's what we mean by cradle to grave because we can literally act so we've got people to buy in the land we've got people to then um help with planning and infrastructure we've got then people to help on the commercial sales you know if the if, if for example a development is mixed use we can we can do the lease of the shop to people you know we wow. can do the lease of the um communal areas but then we also draft the residential element to it 
and then sell those on. So literally it's a one-stop shop, sure. but there's so much that goes into every aspect that when I say I'm in real estate, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's a minefield. Yeah. Really, we um we've started to split down um sort of our business um i i work in what's called the um living sector so we um we also deal in real estate with um uh later life so you know like res uh, care home sort of okay. you know like later okay. life living you know there's yeah. lots of different schemes now for for later life um and um but we we you know there's there's whole there's just so much that you can do within real estate you know you don't have to do res dev you can go into kind of retail you know like if you like the idea of acting for big you know sort of um high street companies you know we do that a lot um wow. and um I, I know that our teams are heavily involved in some really big like blue chip clients um and um you wouldn't think that real estate would get that involved but actually you know it's bread and butter to some people you know they're they're big flagship stores yeah do their leases yeah. and we negotiate their terms so there's a lot in it there's it's not just you know uh here's a conveyance you know I'll sell your house for you yeah that, which is what a lot of people think. yeah absolutely and yet that makes sense when you think of the flagship stores of course that yeah. that needs the, the legal representation and did you were you aware of that so when you were doing your your do you call it your seat when you was doing your your training contract were you did you know that or was this kind of come out as you got in um well you knew that different different teams within the so I was lucky enough at adult shores for it to be like a big for like big firm big setup and you knew that different teams dealt with different aspects of of real estate so, for example, I was very much dealing with um, like retail sort of leases. I was on like the leasehold side, but then my um, I also got exposed to, for example, my boss was drafting wind farm agreements and things like that. So, wow. you know, there's there's, there's so you, you're aware that actually once you start doing a C, mm. you become aware and it, it is very much like they encourage you to get as much exposure to all the different aspects as you can um but then obviously they you know you've got to sit where there is a vacancy for a seat you know you need someone to train you um because obviously they can't just let a 23 year old you know fresh out of law school um you know like just have a go that's not how it works um so you tend to do a lot of work that will come in via your supervisor so if they are for example specializing in retail lease leasehold mm-hmm. um, and remember with like leasehold for example um you know the leases of of, of shops or or retail space um you can be we we at shoesmiths have specialists that act for landlords so as in the people who own the big buildings that let to retail Mm-hmm. let the let out the retail units but then we also have specialists who act for tenants um and that was very prevalent like during the covid um scenario because obviously yeah. there was a huge battle between landlords saying i want my rent yeah. and tenants going we can't afford to we pay it can't. yeah exactly yeah. and you know so everyone was looking at you know leases that perhaps hadn't even you know at all had vision for any type of you know pandemic to hit um and what's the best solution and you know like 
you know people were speaking with government you know like it's it's huge and but there's so much that you can do even just in that small area of real estate so it's definitely not limiting real estate I would say as a as an area to qualify into there's huge opportunity to do lots of varied things you're not just you're not just a a paper pusher or a um you know obviously property law in terms of uh, conveyancing is I mean that's huge pressured hugely specialized and you know Mm. our conveyances are amazing but that seems to be the only thing that the general public think of when they think of real estate yeah Yeah. absolutely that's not the only thing that happens yeah Yeah, and I think it's like what you were saying then before about the work experience that by gaining that insight into so many different areas you'll then get the appreciation for how far and wide it can go yes you might not practice in it whilst you're doing your work experience but you can see it, you can see that there's the potential, that there's exposure, that if that was the route that you were to go down, then you could possibly push into that a bit more, depending on what yeah. kind of work comes in and things. Yeah. So you've said um, that you worked for um, a large blue chip firm in, um, in, Man- in was that Manchester. Manchester? Yeah. Then, so what made you change from that firm to Shoesmiths? Um. <laughs> well you know him personally um uh so the reason, the reason why I actually why. ended up yeah exactly the reason why I ended up um uh moving firms was not because I um actually wanted to um but my um hubby um got a job down in Northampton um and so asked me to move with him I wasn't his wife then um but he asked me to marry him and then we moved down so <laughs> I didn't really have a choice you up. um yeah exactly exactly he butted me up um in the form of a lovely diamond so I couldn't really say no um, <laughs> So, yes, so I moved down um, to the Midlands um, and, of course, was going to need a job. So I loved my job in Manchester and made no bones about that. I absolutely loved it there. And um, so I was actually doing um, a a lease with um, a guy on the other side who worked for Shoesmiths in Birmingham. And um, obviously, I'd been looking at firms um, in and around the Midlands and wondering what would be possible if we had to move to Northampton and just said, oh, I don't suppose you have a, a Northampton office or a Milton Keynes office, do you? And he was like, yeah, we do. Um, and I was like, oh, and he was like, why do you ask? And I sort of, I explained the situation. So I'm going to have to leave and I need to move and I need a job. Um, and um, he was like, Kirsty, I'll 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 speak with I'll speak internally. I think we have a vacancy in our Milton Keynes team. And I was like, you're joking, you know, like <laughs> of all the things. Um and so um he uh there was a vacancy um and um he lined me up with well he obviously put in a good word for me because when I met them they they already knew um who I was etc um and yeah I went down for an interview and got offered a job wow. so yeah wow. so it's like the stars aligned and I was yeah. meant to do that deal so yeah yeah and it just and shows it... actually that you should be nice to everybody because if I'd been <laughs> difficult with him he True. probably wouldn't have recommended me <laughs> True. and uh, is there things change so was was Shoe Smith as big as your previous no. firm 
So Shoe Smiths has grown phenomenally. And actually, that's one of the things that has been brilliant. And that's why I've probably stayed with them as long as I have, because I joined and it was a bit of um, not a shock to the system, but it definitely was a smaller firm back back then when I joined. Um, and then it has gone through this as a firm, this just most formidable transformation um you know we are uh, a force to be reckoned with uh, now um and um you know i've lived through sort of brand uh, rebranding um you know different values and um, they've all remained consistent so we've remained true to our roots but mm. when when i think of the firm that i joined compared to the firm that i work for now um yeah. it's just been a massive transformation and we are significant significantly more corporate we're slick we've got all the technology that you know you would expect um we are yeah we're, we're much bigger now and um and hence I've been able to move back to Manchester with Shoesmiths we didn't have a Manchester office when I moved down um back to the Midlands yeah um, but obviously since me being in like Northampton and Milton Keynes um they opened up a Manchester wow. office and it's you know it's like they did it just for me yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> just to keep people open exactly. up office. yeah <laughs> not quite no no they did it first and then I was like please please will you let me come and sit in Manchester and they did so yeah and that and have you learned has that helped you going from a big firm to a smaller firm that's then it was growing and it has grown has that helped you of learning from a bigger firm to transition over yeah I think I think you learn a lot I think I think moving between law firms actually is um it's a great thing in itself because I think there's different cultures I think mm. there um and I do think like any any job you need to find where you fit so yeah. All because you want a career in the law doesn't necessarily mean that the first law firm that offers you a job is is right for you. Um, and what I would say is, um, you know, like Shoesmiths has completely transformed, um, you know, and it, it's 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 impressive and you need to work for some someone who inspires you um and my firm inspires me um wow. and you know the, the 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 things that they do and and the way in which they um they they look at um you know daily things the, the way they were in the pandemic just just everything about it you, you've got to fit you've got to find your fit mm -hmm. and what I would say to anyone listening who wants to um be a as you know work within the law don't panic if you the first firm that you join isn't quite for you there are so many different firms out there and um, you really just have to find the one that fits you yeah and and again and a heart back to this whole work experience so I'd yes. say yes it, and in that kind of same same space there's there, there is that kind of fear factor of changing from one firm to another, but you will always learn something from that firm. And if you've yeah. learned that that firm doesn't quite fit you, it's not that the role doesn't fit you, because hopefully yeah. you'll have honed in on that from all of the, the work that you've had to do beforehand. But it is just that, isn't it? It's just different firms, different cultures. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it can even just be different teams that they can cultivate different team mindsets in different firms. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it's good to, to explore different places isn't it yeah and so 
you're not just a solicitor you're a principal associate yeah so what is that how do you <laughs> become one um and where did where and how did that all come about okay so um you're Different law firms do it differently, um, but when you join, um, and you don't all always have to be a, a solicitor to to get. So the levels um, they're like ranking um, in terms of m- mainly managerial experience, but not just. It's it's a combination of experience, um, managerial experience, um, and expertise. So it's it's sort of it's it's a combination of things. Um, generally, when people join the firm, they become asso- their associates. So, um, and then you can progress to what's called a senior associate, um, and you have to build a, a business case to do that. Um, and then I am a principal associate, and then like the next level above me is sort of legal director and partnership, um, wow. and they're very different. Um, but um, it's sort of it's it's so that there's different structures. You know, I guess it's like, um, and obviously you've got your trainees, you've got paralegals, you've got assistants, you've got um, uh, conveyancing managers. You know, you've got you've got a whole array of different roles within the law firm um, and it's not I think people look in and they think that there's like a few big partners in charge and then everyone else just kind of does the same role and yeah. that is not how it is like you know it's a massive organization um, and there's loads of cogs in every in, a, in every part of it and um, that keep the wheels turning mm-hmm. um, and um, it's not necessarily pyramid structured obviously we have a senior leadership team um we have you know sort of a, we actually have a shadow board um we have heads of department we have heads of sectors um and then we have obviously then um smaller departments within the you know for example real estate um and um then um we have then people who manage within those those departments as well so it's a huge organization and as a principal associate um i think my key roles are um I'm, i'm a key point of contact for clients um i'm expected to do some business development work so um not quite um the same as obviously the partnership expectation but i am expected to you know keep client relationships alive and try and get new business where possible mm-hmm. um i also manage internally so um i manage uh i've got a team of nine at the moment um which you know sort of when those people are doing um legal work it's quite a lot of yeah. supervision and you know and then there's all the soft side of management that goes with it you know you've got your um human resources side although we do have obviously human resources <laughs> as well um but um you know as a manager you are expected to do an element of the hr side of things training mentoring um wow. general listening um and team building as well you know and it's up to me to relay messages from the top um you know as to how the firm's progressing and we've all got standards that we need to meet we've got targets that we need to meet and yeah I'm sort of help to be responsible for that okay and you you did that at Shoesmith that was something that you yes so I went from an associate to a senior associate to a principal associate so 
Yes. And I'm proud of that because I've actually had two kids in the meantime as well. So people possibly listening will go, oh, she's 14 years qualified and why is she not a partner yet? And actually it's because I've also had time out to have kiddies, um, which, as you know, um, take up significant (laughs) amounts of time and um, the juggle is real. Um, But I'm finding my feet again now in terms of my children are that bit older and um, I am loving being back at work and being back at work um, full time. And um, yeah, I I love it. So I'm finding my solicitor mojo again. And how was that? So having children alongside such, I mean, just when you were talking then, the the intensity of the jobs that you work on is one thing, but then especially, you know, being just being part of such an intense team when there's so much legal work going on, because, you know, as you've said, that there is that regimented kind of aspect. It is all governed. Everything is going to be checked. There's no kind of, oops, I did that wrong, you know, there's so much pressure on that side. How is the industry for, or how have you found it? You as a mother, um, having two children and coming back. What's the industry like for um for working mums? Um, so it's not I think any working mum anywhere, I think the juggle, I think that's the best way of describing it because I do think that that in this society there is an expectation for um mothers to um work like they don't have children um and then to have children like they don't work. And actually, you know, you are forever in conflict because if you put your work first, you feel guilty because you feel like you've got that mum guilt. You put your children first and then you feel like you're neglecting your career and you're neglecting your work and and, and it's it's a real fine balance to find um some firms I'm lucky enough that we have flexible working policies um particularly since covid I mean I think covid has shaped the world in a totally different way because people's lives I think became more real and apparent you know like Mm. what could people do we all had to continue to work and we had to work with children in the background you know and I think actually that brought brought to the forefront the reality of people's lives because I think when people just went to an office it's very easy for those in positions of responsibility to almost ignore what someone then goes home to or Mm. you know what happens externally I think when you're actually visually faced with a lady trying to do work but with two kids (laughs) in the background saying mummy 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 that actually is an accurate reflection of how sometimes life is in general Mm. Mm. um I think as an industry the law is getting better Um, I think, you know, sort of 10 years ago, it probably was nowhere near what it is now. Um, I think certain aspects of um, the law, I would say that you would definitely need a strong childcare support um, mechanism in in the background. I don't believe that you could be um, full time at a law firm and not have any help. Um, It's just not possible. Um, But um, I do think that firms are acknowledging um, that sometimes you need to flex your lunch hour so that you can do the school run. Um, you know, like you can start a bit later. You know, it 
back in the day, you probably never would have been able to agree to start at like quarter past nine, for example, so that you could do the school run, you know. Yeah. But actually, now you can. You can say my contractual hours, and you'll probably find that on lots of emails from lots of different people, they start at quarter past nine because they do the school it's run, and that is that is really important. And um, you know, sort of, you can agree different working hours and flexible patterns. And I think provided that the trust is there you know that essentially you will get the job done and that does not have to be between the hours of nine till five exactly mm. um obviously it's predominant those hours are are you know still kept as a strict office office presence um or online presence as it now is um but i do think that even within the law people have accepted that times have moved on um and that you know mothers need a bit of assistance in being flexible so that you know we can go and watch those performances we can do mm. the school runs you know if it's fancy dress day and we're told you know two days before <laughs> actually we can leave at five o'clock if we then log on you know for a little bit and check our emails for half an hour afterwards you know it's yeah it's all about flexibility and I do think that um there's a lot more work to do but um lots of firms lots of law firms are working towards that flexible yeah. balance yeah and is that because what's the what's uh, i don't know if you'll know specific numbers and stats but what's the kind of makeup of males and Ooh. females at shoesmith what? yeah that's a good question um so actually we are predominantly female um oh, okay. i can't tell you um the exact numbers but i do know we have a, a a female waiting um which sometimes actually in Shoesmiths as, wow. a, as, a, as a whole um you only have to walk our floors um to see you can actually see the you know particularly actually in real real estate we we do have a lot of um female lawyers um in fact my so my immediate um head of department is female and the head of real estate um Kirsten she is also well obviously she's she's female as well wow. so um and it's great um our head of people is female like we we have a lot of um I think we still have a waiting on the senior side of things um towards um male male sort of positions mm -hmm. um but there are lots of inspirational females within our company wow. and that's and it's great because for me obviously my direct kind of line of ascension that they are both you know female and it's yeah. great yeah and that's it you, I mean you've you've used inspiration and to be inspired a couple of times and I think that's just really important um yeah. you know and especially within such a big firm um to be able to have those those inspirational people those aspirational people around you yeah. um and you know it can it can show you what's possible and you know that you that you can get there and and, and it is it is possible it, it kind of can be done um I'm just thinking of something actually that I usually ask all of the guests, um, but you said it right at the beginning um, of if you were asked the question, I know that you were, you said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I know that you said that you you just didn't know. Was there any, any other areas that you ever considered? Um, I'd love to have been on the stage. I'd love to have been a musician and perform. And yeah, I'd love to have gone on like the West End and done musical wow. stuff. 
stuff. Yeah, I'd love to have done that. Um, but my parents persuaded me that law would pay my bills. Um, so um, it was probably the better decision. <laughs> <laughs> And is that still an interest now or did it? Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, my friends will laugh because I've sung at quite a few of their weddings. Um, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like to sing still a little bit. And actually, since we moved to Manchester, I've started making inquiries about getting back into singing in a choir and getting music lessons and singing lessons. Yeah. I've actually just taken up the piano because I play the piano and um, so I've I've taken up the piano again because I never actually got my grade eight in piano so um I have started piano goal. lessons again that's and that goal. is my um yeah that's going to be my goal so ask me again in two years if that's I've got it, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just and don't practice enough <laughs> well exactly what you've just said when you've got two kids husband full-time job it's hard yeah. isn't it but were your friends um so your parents kind of said you know no that's going to pay you bills so hopefully they weren't surprised um but were your friends surprised that you went into law um yes and no um no because I think it was really important our school sort of wanted us all to kind of have a pathway so one of my best friends knew that she wanted to be a pharmacist and so when that route you know she did pharmacy um one of my other friends um wanted to do like criminology and she now works in the police um uh one of my other friends knew that she was um she 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 actually didn't really know exactly what she wanted to do but she knew she would be good at like business and marketing and things so actually she did a geography degree and then got on a grad scheme um and um, she's now a big brand manager in London. So wow. um, everyone kind of had a goal. Um, but I feel like, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone expected me to go into the law. <laughs> but as soon as I said it, I don't think people were surprised because right. I like I like arguing and I like um, <laughs> having attention to detail. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it suits you well. Yes, exactly. Do you <laughs> it's know, a good that... personality fit. <laughs> Well, that that was actually going to be one of my um, one of my next questions of what kind of person does I don't know if I can speak of law in general um, or more specifically real estate. What kind of person does it suit? Because, as you said, it is regimented, it is governed. So, um, you know, by you don't I'm assuming you don't have much autonomy in the set in that kind of sense that there are processes and things to follow. Yeah but I could be wrong there, but what kind of person does it suit to either go into law or or more specifically for real estate? Well, I mean, I'd definitely say real estate is a, that's not really a, I wouldn't say there's a, pers a personality type. I'd definitely say um, if you want to go into a, um, a litigious area, generally people um, like to be um, I'm going to offend all my litigation colleagues here, but they they um, they have opinions and they're not scared to stand behind them. So they they like you know they they're very they've got confidence. That's what I would say. If yeah. you go into litigation, you've definitely got to have a bit of self confidence yeah. because your opinion is going to be relied on. Does that make sense? And yeah, you're yeah. arguing that this is this is what it is um and actually um my litigation colleagues are amazing and they're like the fourth emergency service for us because <laughs> when anything goes wrong you pick up the phone you're like 
hi and they're like it's five o'clock on the Friday why are you calling me and you're like um I've just got a quick question uh, so that I can sleep for the whole of the weekend um but I would say um it takes all sorts so don't think because you're not particularly confident that you wouldn't make a good lawyer because actually some of the best technical lawyers that I know wouldn't say boo to a goose and would never want to be client facing you know really really struggle with being client facing yeah. whereas um other lawyers are actually more business people um, and you know to, to be a like a partner you have to have a, an element of sales pitch you know you need to be able to sell your services and what we do and be passionate about it and get people I mean it's almost an assumption that we will get the law right you know like you have yeah. to assume that if we're pitching to you to say come and get your law with us that we will do this correctly and it will yeah. be you know right yeah and so essentially it's everything else and you're buying into people um, mm. and we're we're a massive people firm um, and um, it's all about our people and they are our biggest sales pitch because we want to work with you um, and I genuinely think that it needs it takes all sorts you can't have 10 very you know gregarious people um, client facing people people who want to do the same things honestly there is a fit for all different type personality types mm. I think within the law mm. and I don't think you should be if you're of a nervous disposition or if you're of a very confident disposition I don't think that that should sway your decision because there is the different roles for different people. people and do you get it so even in your role do you get to um work alongside be involved with have exposure to a different set of people characteristics aside from the team that you work in so or is it very silo you know that you work in real estate this is your team of nine and that's it or no we we are all about um <laughs> collaboration and cross office working and um also we like to sort of we want we want our clients to see um, us as like an extension of them we don't want to come across as the law firm we want to come across as like an extension of their their team and yeah. um, and that actually is probably one of the biggest challenges I think that that law firms face in that you can provide the most excellent legal service but your clients have to get on with your employees yeah. and so you can have it I mean we do have relationships where you know sometimes it doesn't work and you have to you know as a, as a manager you have to step in and you know sort of placate your employee but also placate your yeah. client and rebuild yeah. the relationship and sometimes it's just a case of moving people around you know not mm. everybody's face fits with each client nice. and it's trial and error and you kind of and that's where kind of the BD you know I was talking about you know being a principal associate but actually the partnership side that the more senior you get the more you have to relationship build with the client and understand your clients you know wants needs personality traits how they like to work and then you can then assess who in your team best fits with that sort of yeah. their their direction the way that they go and um, and sometimes it's a bit of a 
jigsaw puzzle and um, my boss does a brilliant job of it actually like trying to move people around to accommodate all the different yeah. clients and demands so and that's hard isn't it because that's got nothing to do with law you know you yeah. don't learn that at, at law school at university it's nope. a it's nope. a re- it's a it's a it's a talent isn't it that you absolutely that you kind of need to get right so that that whole relationship building is yeah. is strengthened and as you said it's that whole kind of repeat business and and keeping clients happy and yeah. things and, and the name of, of your company so yeah. yeah um and I guess that's um that's a good kind of way of kind of coming to the end of of what kind of skills um do you think make you good at your job um that you would kind of advise others to potentially look at if they've got them within themselves or to try and draw on um okay so I think there's some key skills um for I think for being in the legal world whether that be you wanted to qualify as a solicitor um we haven't touched on it but there's loads of other like routes into the law um the solicitor equivalents now um you know people can do um can qualify as a conveyancer as like a licensed conveyancer and you can still progress to senior leadership so I think it's it's great like you don't just have to be a solicitor to be in um private practice which is um, obviously where I am can that um, be in sorry can that be in you've mentioned that about conveyances so in yeah. property yeah is that do you know is that the same in other kind of yeah you can you can qualify as like a legal executive as well ah, okay. um, you don't just have to and and in terms of being a solicitor you don't have to do a straightforward law degree you can do another degree and you can convert um you know and there's there's now the solicitors um the sqe um which is another route into the law so there's, there's loads of different routes into the law you don't have to just go law degree um lpc and then training contracts there's okay. there's lots of there's lots of different sort of ways and of qualifications to get you kind of onto the the, so the, the got, ladder if you've got a different interest you could yes an undergraduate degree in something else and i would encourage people to actually think about whether they want to do a law degree um or actually it's probably a really good idea to do a degree in something that you really are passionate about because you're more likely to get a great result because you're studying something you really want to do and then you can always convert to the law and that is okay. a big that that's a message that i would love to convey because i that wasn't really conveyed to me at the age of sort of 17 that actually I don't have to do law now I could do law a bit later on um, Mm -hmm. and loads of my peers didn't do law degrees they converted later on and actually really enjoyed the degree that they did fortunately I loved my degree but I do know a lot of people who didn't really particularly enjoy their law degree um, but would have enjoyed a different type of degree if you know what I mean so you can always go to the law a bit later oh, on okay okay that's um, good to know yeah no it is and and definitely you know sort of really research your roots into the law because it's not just one pathway there's there's millions of pathways now to, to get in um but going back to your question in terms of um uh, sort of qualities traits uh, that would be suitable for a, a career in the legal sphere um i think that one of the biggest um aspects that I or one of the biggest traits that I look for in anyone doing legal work is attention to detail if you have attention to detail um you are going to be successful um 
as in if you're given a paragraph and you can spot you know some potential errors you can look at some you know bits of, of wording that could be interpreted either way um you've really got to have an eye for detail when you're doing it um you've also got to be able to analyze things and analyze things quite quickly um and um i would also say um try and be i think if you're practical and you're commercial that definitely helps um but not always um, what do you mean by that so as in um sometimes clients will come to us with problems that aren't necessarily legal um, okay. or um solved by so as in like um i don't mean illegal i mean um, as in like <laughs> it's not really a question of legality it's actually a practical solution they're looking for right. um and i think if you are sort of um you can envisage how they run their business in practice and you can have that sort of commercial awareness it will make you a better lawyer um, if you want to practice in private practice and be sort of external lawyers to big firms um, who have obviously their own their own goals because yeah. if you understand what they want to achieve then if the, there is sort of a 50 50 question of how the legislation can be interpreted or there's a an area of the law for example that hasn't yet been heavily litigated and so you don't know which way it's going to go you know how it should be interpreted and um, you can tell them what the red letter law says but if there's different outcomes uh, you know potential outcomes actually you need to be able to put yourself in the client's shoes and go right so you've got this option or you've got this option yes, and actually this would probably suit you more but it's your decision yeah um, so yeah but definitely attention to detail okay okay that's a big takeaway yeah and I guess lastly I know that you've you've already covered um a couple of these so I don't know if there would be anything anything different um so I think you've you've given a really really good delve and and clear insight into not just real estate but just I think that was a really interesting point actually about getting into law that there's different routes because mm -hmm. I think it can be seen as becoming a solicitor is a mainstream kind of job that you do your law degree you do your training contract yeah you become qualified and you get the job so I think that I think that's quite a, a refreshing thing to hear actually that there are different reasons. that's almost like a podcast in itself definitely yeah. <laughs> and I think it's it would be quite interesting actually um this is something that I can kind of take away and, and go and have fun with really of of people that have gone into into yeah. become qualified solicitors through different routes because yeah. um as you said it doesn't just have to be the mainstream mainstream mm -hmm. route so I think that's yeah that's been um that's been really enlightening but what advice would you give to somebody that um, is either currently studying, thinking about law, that has some life experience, that's possibly had another job, or as you said, already got an undergraduate degree in a different subject that's thinking about law? What advice would you give to somebody that's looking or possibly thinking about becoming a solicitor? Um, I think it's a really competitive market. So I think you need to understand that you can't just walk into the job. Um, it's it's just not that type of industry. Um, you 
a lot of firms now like people with legal experience. I'm not saying that you wouldn't get a job just as an undergraduate, but I am saying that, you know, the way in which we work, um, we, I think a lot of places like to grow. Um, again, I, I've used this term organic growth, but actually it's a bit like, you know, how you work, Linz, in terms of like with academies and, you know, going up. It, people look elsewhere for for players so we would look elsewhere for lawyers but actually you know if you've worked in a in a law firm for two years as say an assistant or a paralegal you are far more likely to have um, an understanding of how the firm works and how you want to work um, with that firm than if you just randomly apply on an application form. That's not to say that you're any less capable if you just randomly apply on an application form. But I do think there is definite merit in having legal experience and an understanding what it actually means on the nine to five or the daily basis to work with you know for a law firm you know like a, a hark back to that attention to detail point um you know, you might be able to be a project manager. And I, I often describe my role as a bit like a project manager because, you know, you, you're coordinating people, you're coordinating legal work, you're trying to do your own legal work, um, you know, you, you're delegating, like it's it's a lot. Mm. Um, and what you need is people who have attention to detail. So you might think that taking a phone call, for example, on someone's behalf and passing on a message, as long as you've got like the name sort of right it doesn't matter but actually what you need is someone to take that phone call and to be able to write down that name clearly correctly so that then when you know someone like me reaches back out to that person I am in so much more of a better position than if I'm like sorry can you just repeat your name for me and yeah. and you know it's little things that I think people outside wouldn't really realize would make a big difference but go get some experience, go, you know, even if it's just a summer job, in, you know, doing a bit of um, like admin work, it will massively improve your understanding of what the law is like as mm. in, in private practice. Obviously, there's, a, there's other types of legal practice, but in terms of private practice, law firms that, you know, are employed by external, externally by companies, go and go and see if you can get any work experience even in your smaller firms you know go go get some go get some experience because that's what I did I I actually went to a criminal law firm and did like a, a six-week kind of summer placement with them and um, I got um, one of my friends uh dad set me up with um shadowing like a family solicitor you know just to go and actually see what happens in the real world of yeah. being being a lawyer and honestly I can't I can't tell you that is absolutely crucial I think if you're looking into it yeah. don't just read about it and think you know about it because yeah. it's very different in practice yeah and I, th and I think it's having conversations like this so by hearing from those that are actually doing the job what yeah. it's what it's really like what's involved in it and just hearing those bits of of advice uh and you know you learn from others so if they've made mistakes and what they wish they'd have done differently or you know yeah. you don't get just from reading about it 
and and I would say don't be don't be scared like in terms of a lot of a lot of law firms now so I mean I'm I'm for my parents didn't get degrees I'm the first to go and get a degree and then qualify as a lawyer you know like there isn't law in my family I'm not from a long line of solicitors um you know we are massively about you know improving social mobility um you know diversity inclusion you know that they have massive topics within a lot of big firms um, and don't be scared you know in terms of um like for example shoesmiths has um loads of different um uh, committees set up to help improve um diversity inclusion and you know representation so we've got like a proud network we've got an embrace network we've got um a, a balance network that i'm a big uh, I'm, I'm a member of um which is actually to sort of um balance is all about finding um a successful organization and making sure you know sort of that there is a balance between um uh, the genders and um, that everybody's got balance between well-being um, so that we can achieve more in our working lives wow. and it's not just wow. about being like a female lawyer and it's not just about being um, a male lawyer and um, we're sort of trying to make sure that there is a complete sort of gender equality and balanced representation across the firm um, and at all levels um, so if you're a bit like oh but you know I'm sure like that job would be better suited to a, a, a boy like that that's not the case or you know if you're a boy and you're thinking oh I'm sure that would be better suited to a, a, a girl it's not the case anymore mm. everybody we are working really really hard to take people on their merits and make sure that there is a diversity across the firm you know like you're not prejudiced because of your background or who you are if that makes yeah. sense yeah and if, like what you've said previously of you don't want a team that's just a replication of the same person no by having that difference you're going no. to draw on everyone's individual positive characteristics yeah um, and if that's their their qualities their traits their skills their experience yeah or if it's their background their upbringing yeah. you know their experience from all of that um you're just going to get such a richer company from it so yeah definitely and yeah the the one thing that you know sort of we're all working really really hard is to kind of tackle almost unconscious bias because it's very easy you know on a on a top line level to say there is no bias and you know sort of we, we were firm into gender equality and race equality and you know but actually if you tackle unconscious bias that's where the real work happens mm -hmm. and actually you know it stops putting people off if people feel like it doesn't matter that I am a you know a female that comes from a family that haven't actually all got degrees and you know that that's that that's fine like yeah you're yeah. you yeah uh, shout about it shout about it loud and proud for sure mm. um no thank you Kirsty it's been it's been really good and I just think it's just and I said it before um, it's just refreshing to hear and, you know, to end on that as well, that you've not come from a family that's been been built on on the legal profession and that had the kind of foot in the door in that yeah. kind of sense. Um, so, no, thank you. And you talked about earlier surrounding yourself with people that inspire you. So, 
yeah, I've just spent an hour with somebody that's Thank you. Ditto. Ditto, Linz. Ditto. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Nice to talk to you. And you. Thank you for joining me today. Be nice to people, studying something that you enjoy that you can later convert to law and getting a feel for a company's values and culture by doing the same job but at different firms can all help you get into law and become a qualified solicitor. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Kirsty, and I really hope that you can join me for the next episode of When I Grow Up, I Want To Be, the career podcast.